Oh, man, I just lost a chunk of my nest egg in the market whipsaw. Oh, sorry to hear that. Looks like I'll be wearing a yellow apron well into my 70s. Welcome to Wall... Hey, don't get down. Get educated. Listen to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. What did you learn? How not to go backwards with the market, my friend, and have the opportunity to move forward with market growth. That's exactly what I need. So learn about your financial power with the Total Financial Hour Sundays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here this morning. Talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? And the future could be 15 minutes from now. It could also be 15 years from now. The future could even be at a time when you're not even around. Right? Have you ever thought of that? Right? When you look over the mantle, the fireplace... And you see pictures, you go down the hallway and you see pictures. This is my great-great-grandma, so-and-so. This is my great-grandfather. This is what he did. This is what my parents did. This is what they do. Right? Why would they call you that? Why would they say that you're my grandfather or you're my great-grandfather? Why do you do that? Well, because you realize that even if they passed away, the title doesn't change. Right, so if they are your children today, and you're a young parent, you're a parent with young children. Do you realize they will always be your children, even if you have passed away? So the responsibility to take care of them, the responsibility to have some sort of a an emotional connection, lessons. Right, it doesn't have to be. Oh, I'm going to leave my children a million dollars. I'm going to leave my children two million. Right, That doesn't have to be. In, in fact, there's studies that show that the greater amount of money that you leave your children, mm, they tend not to, to do so well. I would say that a lot of that has to do because they're training, right? They were trained to be, uh, well, consumers, takers. They were trained to just kind of, gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm waiting for you to die. They check their watch every 15 minutes, see if you're still around. And they look around and they go, yep, got to wait another Christmas. And let's see if mom and dad are around. We, we we know you guys come to the office. You know, not we don't have too many of those of those greedy types, but we we do have it. Charlie Munger comes out this week and says the world is is not driven by greed; it's driven by envy. Now, I would say today he's correct. 110 years ago, probably not, but today it absolutely is. Here's why: because you can get 
anything you want if you work hard enough. That wasn't the case before. Right before, it says it didn't matter how smart you were, you couldn't change the color of your skin or your gender. It didn't matter. It didn't matter whether you lived in the north or the south or the east or the west. This this whole regurgitation of slavery and the systemic racism, right? They have to create something where financially the impact would have been, in other words, you cannot prove it, right? You can't prove a negative. Well, if not but for the slavery of 110 years ago, California, which was never a slave state, uh, would have been given me a different opportunity because the people that run California, well, they came from slave states. So even though it was four generations ago, we, we still have that impact. Now, here's the problem with all that. Most of you don't, most of you think that that's true, right? Because you don't want to be called a racist. But ready for this? I'm going to tell you a secret. Really, it's just you and I. There's not a lot of people listening. It's just you and I, maybe 10,000 or something, but but you're in your car, you're you're in the garage. Have you ever been to an LA city uh, agency department? R- right? I, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever been there? Do you not see a disproportionate amount of minorities? Right? You complain about the labor. You, you complain about the... The quality of service. Now, it's not a minority thing, right? There's lousy white, black, Hispanic, Asian, American Indian, whatever. There's lousy employees everywhere, and there's great employees everywhere. But if we're supposed to be about this reparations thing, right? Right. If we're supposed to be about this, well, here's an opportunity to create an opportunity to make something so that it doesn't go away, and we're going to give people money from people who didn't do anything to them from their background so we're just going to give them money i thought we did that already i thought that was what affirmative action was supposed to be i thought that's the reason i didn't get a job when i was on the police department was to correct correct some wrong thing and by the way this lady was a very very good person who took who who got the job that i was uh, slated for very good person hard working no question about it but according to the test according to the rankings according to the interview skills she didn't do as good as i did so tough luck she got the job my uncle a firefighter sorry you don't get the job as a captain because we have to keep promoting people so far down the list that my (laughs) my uncle probably had shoes older than this guy but we're trying to correct a wrong so the city of flint decided well we're going to make some changes And even though you're qualified and you're eligible for something you can't control, your race and your gender, we're going to give it to somebody else. I thought we've been doing that already. I thought that was the reason that we did all that. Right? I thought that's the reason that if you go into some of these city of LA agencies, you see all minorities there. Right? Because it's supposed to be, quote, righting a wrong. And and now we're going to give reparations. Okay. What do you think will happen with that money? Well, we don't even have to guess. You know why? Because we know. We know. We know exactly what's going to happen. I can tell you what's going to happen. Here's why. Well, be clear on something. As a financial professional for 27 years, 
we have dealt with all walks of life. Good people, not so good people. We don't keep good people as clients. Just like if they don't like me, we, they, they go somewhere else. We, it doesn't hurt my feelings. We're not right for everybody. If you want some or part of your money in a safe place, away from the risk of the markets, then that's what we're here for. Triple eight ninety nine retire Let me give that to you one more time. Triple eight ninety nine retire 888-997-3847. Okay? All right, you wrote that down. It's good. Triple eight ninety nine retire All right. We have three lotto winners as clients. What do they do with the money? Three. One came to us after they filed bankruptcy the second time. That's after winning the lotto. Because you see, if you're not trained or capable, you haven't learned, you don't have habits, you haven't seen your parents or other people that you care about succeed and do the right things with whatever money or power or whatever it might be, then in turn, you don't know what to do with it. So what I think is going to happen is very quickly, they're going to receive this money and it's going to go poof. They're going to spend it. So the benefactors are going to be the smart financial people in that, in that community that's going to receive the money and frankly, everybody else. Habitat for Humanity, right? Homes for Heroes and, and on and on. Great organizations. I've volunteered. I've built homes. My kids, we've painted and, and dug up lawns and, and fixed things. It's a great organization over the years. Statistically, what happens? Within a very short period of time of them getting, quote, a mortgage-free house and everybody cries and we cut a ribbon and the mayor and the city council, everybody gives a hug. They pat each other on the back. Look how altruistic we are. Woo. Let's go get a drink. Right? That's what they do. They sit in the circle and they all, we are so anti-racist. Look at what we did. We've given these minority families, single moms, three kids, two dads, right? That they, they never talk about the behavior that that person can control and say, well, well, maybe you ought to not drop out of school. Maybe you ought to not mess around with other men when you're trying to raise your children. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe they took, look, I got an idea. Just listen to one week of Dr. Laura. That probably will straighten out most of our lives. Do I love her? No. Do I like everything she says? Just about. Right? Uh, do I agree with everything? Of course not. Come on. But if this one time she said, okay, great. I don't like that part. Right? Get some wisdom under your belt, people. Where you realize there's some good and some not so good. Pretty important is this. You don't do stupid things because you're going to win stupid prizes. <laughs> Remember that story? I love that. I can give you 10 of those stories just off the top of my head as a policeman, right? I, uh, there's, uh, there's one I wanted to give you, but I just won't. You don't know who's, who's listening, right? Little kids. But I always ask you this. If those folks, after just a few weeks of getting, or a few years rather, of getting the home, turn around, refinance it, and then lose it because they don't pay the mortgage back. They take the money out. They buy a nice car, fancy stereo, spend, spend, spend. Right? Once the home is in their name, there's predatory lenders that'll give them a hard money loan, which means a very high interest rate loan. Put a lien on the house. You have to pay back this money. You don't because you're laid off or you can't work or you didn't understand savings. You don't understand the basic financial principles and surprise, you lose the house. 
Thank you, Habitat for Humanity, Jimmy Carter, and your friends. Just the way it goes. Right? You give poor people money who don't have training, and surprise, they're going to refinance the house, and off it goes. Right? And they'll be poor again. It's what happens. So what are they going to do with it? Well, I think they'll just take that money, drop it right back into the economy. I think they're going to buy things, right? Just like when they give you this $2,000 stimulus check or this $500 credit or whatever they do, immediately it goes into the economy and it's done. So you're not fixing a problem. I want you to know that you don't fix anything. The way you fix something is you say, hey, I'm so sorry. I wish I could fix it. I wish I could go back and change it, but I can't. So from now on, we're just going to make sure that there isn't, you know, racism. We're going to do testing where you're just given a code number. So when you do your SAT scores, it's nothing about your gender or your race or your age for that matter. And we're just going to go in and say, yes, this person is a four or 10, right? Or, or 970 or, or 1100, whatever scoring system they're using. And we're going to accept them based on an arbitrary system, right? Not your visual appearance, not your layers of guilt because of who you are. You guys have heard me tell this story, right? You want to beg for money, go at the freeway off-ramp, 405 Freeway Sunset. You have Bel Air, Brentwood, Pacific Palisades. Everybody gets off on that same freeway off-ramp. And oh my word. The amount of money those people make. Because what? here's what happens. They're giving you $20, $50, $100 bills. And they're not asking for change, I want you to know. They don't ask for change. So when we would stop people, and even today I hear from my friends, other law enforcement folks out there, when they arrest some of those folks for whatever other reason, surprise, in their pockets are 20s and 50s. Try to do that in the poor area. Try to go off of some of the freeway off-ramps in, in the valley. And what do you get? Well, it's very simple. $1 bills, maybe 5 Right? Try to do that in South Central LA, the 10 freeway. Right? The 10 freeway going through the 110 freeway. Go, go with them. You're going to have a person pull up and he's going to say, are you kidding me? Go get a job. I work. Right? You don't have the guilt in the poor communities that are from the men and women that are hardworking, regular, they're going to say, what are you kidding me? I provide for my family. You go get a job, panhandler man. So these people know this, right? We used to have a guy in one of the off-ramps in the San Fernando Valley would be in a wheelchair. And then there was, it was almost like a bell would ring. Ding, ding, it's your shift. And a lady comes over and she sits in a wheelchair. He gets up and walks across the street. They live behind one of the gas stations. And we would pull up back there because we didn't know what was going on. We would pull our headlights. And we're like, wait a second. You're the one that was over there in the wheelchair earlier today. What are you, what are you doing with a needle in your arm? What, what, what are you doing? Right? If you give money to homeless people, you are perpetuating the problem. In fact, if I might add, you are the problem. Yeah. You are the problem. Just like if you're a minority in California and they're going to give you money, uh, surprise, the politicians are the problem. So you might tell yourself, well, I'm, I feel so good. Ooh, ooh. 
They didn't do anything. You understand these people are just standing there with the sign. They just exist. Now, you want to give a nice tip to a pizza delivery person? Love it. You want to give a nice tip to a, a, a waiter or a baggage handler who's, who's helping you walk, navigate through the airport? I got it. That person's working. They're doing something. They're providing. I'm all in. I love that. But if you're just going to exist, right, you're going to breathe air, and then you're going to play this uh, you know, army jacket and put on a, a baseball cap that says, you know, Vietnam veteran, most likely you stole it. Maybe not. I don't mean the, the baseball cap, but the, the valor, right? It's called stolen valor. Maybe he stole it. But when billionaire investor, 90, what is he, 98 years old or something? 97, 98? Multi-billions of dollars. He's Warren Buffett's partner. That's, he's, he made money through Warren Buffett's uh, same, same avenue. His name's Charlie Munger. He said, the world is not driven by greed, it's driven by envy. Here's why. Because it used to be driven by greed. Today, anybody can have anything by working almost in any job. There are people called influencers. Do you understand what that means? That means the rest of you that look at your phones when you walk out of a building, when you wake up in the morning, when you walk down a street, when you're sitting at the dinner table, right? You're being influenced by somebody and somehow these folks are getting paid money because you bought the product, because you subscribed to a service. They didn't even have to create anything. They just had to be. So you want what they have. Person drives down the street. Why? Because because you walk down the street? No, you have a car. Oh, but your car's thirty thousand, and the guy that passed you has a car that's one hundred thousand. Is it because you want well, I don't know, a one hundred thousand dollar car? Maybe that's envy. Maybe you think you deserve it. I don't know. Good discussion, I think. I think a lot of us need to figure out is the fact that Warren Buffett's partner who made a lot of money, and by the way, by making people a lot of money, right? There are pension funds alive today that are paying you. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher pension, city, county, state, private company, doesn't matter. Your pension has made a little or a lot of money, but certainly has been able to pay you because of somebody like Warren Buffett. Charlie Munger, and many, many, many others, right? Because a lot of folks walk down the street and they'll say, oh, that person is greedy. Look at that. Oh my gosh. What, why does he deserve, why does she deserve that much money? Do they just bury it in the backyard? Or do they invest it? Right? Uh, what do they do with it? Well, they go to the grocery store. You work there. They go to the liquor store. They go to the dry cleaner. They go to the hair salon, the restaurant. So they're spending money. Oh no, they just, they're just they more than they need. Need. I love that word, need. I'm waiting to see a hammer and sickle as the shorthand for the word need. Right? When the left keeps getting rich and they run down this socialist, <laughs> this socialist road where they're going to take from everybody, but nobody tells them, hey, you know what? The $160,000 a year that you make as a congressman or a congresswoman, we're going to take that from you. Right? We're willing to, you, you want to give money to Ukraine, let's start with half of your salary and then we'll match it, says the U.S. government. That's what we should do. If you're going to vote for that, because you're running around telling everybody's greedy, you don't need that much money, do you? What do you need that much for?
So I think a lot of this this drive of greed and this envy, right? When sometimes there they might be two sides of the same coin. I, I understand that. I would at least entertain the argument. But I think today when your food, shelter, clothing is cared for in this country, I think today when you're poor in America, it means you have carpet on the floor. It means you have some sort of air conditioning and certainly heat. It means you have a cell phone. You have clothes. You have fresh, wait, Stan, wait for this. Ooh, fresh running water. And here's the, here's the, here's the evidence that you made it an indoor toilet, right? I mean, you understand that alone puts you in the upper 5% of most of the world's poorer countries. So when you run around and you say, oh, I'm poor, I'm poor, I'm poor, it's not because you don't have a car or, or a roof over your head or heating or air conditioning or food from the food pantry or, or the government subsidized food. It's because you waste freaking money on what? Lotto tickets, alcohol, because you waste money gambling trying to go to Vegas or Laughlin or whatever. It's because you waste money thinking you're going to make it by taking dumb risks. Right? You run around saying, I'm a poor person, and instead of taking advantage of the opportunity to go to free school, yes, you can, by the way, and I don't mean free school to get some degree in sociology. I mean free school to become a welder, plumber, electrician, carpenter, and yes, women are in both of the, in all of those fields. Very, very good uh, uh, workers. Mechanic. I can't, you know, you realize I can't export my car to China to have it fixed. But I can export my computer software, right? But can you please manufacture, make this software, here you go. And then it comes back overseas, wherever it went. Clothes. I can have those manufactured in Bangladesh, Philippines. But I can't send my air conditioning unit at my house overseas. So, so many people think going to school and getting educated is learning about gender studies or, you know, why they're a victim. Here, you're a victim of being a victim. Why? Because this 28-year-old PhD professor says that I'm a victim who's never had a job, who's making 140000 a year with a great pension, health insurance paid for. And he's telling me I'm a victim because this is a lousy country. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. Why don't you try to just, ooh, ready for this? Get a job without working through the government. Right? What kind of service do you think you get? And I, I'm not putting all minorities in this bucket. I, I'm a minority, so it doesn't matter. I'm not putting that in all these. But what kind of service do you get when you go to a city, county, agency where they parade around the numbers of how many minorities and what black and Hispanic and workers and female were 92%, 74%, right? Privately in, in particular company, you make it clear that you are unhappy with that service. Heaven forbid, try to fire somebody from a school district, oof, right? They have to punch their boss in the nose and then they just get reassigned. Heaven forbid you fire a teacher, an educated, uh, an educator, right? They get, they get banished to that room. Do you know LA Unified School District has this detention room where they put teachers ready for this? 
they go into a room with their computers and, yes, their pillows, and they have to sit there waiting the adjudication of whatever allegations, whether it's termination uh, level or not. And during the pandemic, are you ready for this? They just stayed home. They didn't have to teach from a computer. They stayed home. And they were paid for years as if they had a job. And you wonder, these are hundreds of teachers across the district. And you wonder to yourself, how do we not have enough money when we spend more money than almost any place in the country? How is it that nearly all the children in junior high can't read at their grade level? How is it that high school students come out? Yes, I know because I see them. They can't put together an English sentence properly. Right? They think there's there's a... Ask yourself, where's our money going? And now we're going to give it to people, whoever it is. Listen... Again, who's the suspect? Who's the bad guy in the story? It's the politicians. All right, stay with me. Triple eight ninety nine retire. I'm Arif Halaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. We're going to continue with your money just after the break. This is AM eight seventy. The answer. Triple eight ninety nine retire. We'll be right back. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about finance. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Arab Halaby. Appreciate you staying with me. Talking about your family's finances, of course. Getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future and what that's all about. Uh, you know, speaking of debt, you've heard me talk about uh, 401ks and, and I think they're great. Listen, every financial professional will say, oh, you're just a savings account for the government. Yes. Yeah, that's true. But here's the bottom line with it. And where else are you going to save? Right? I mean, I think you need to save. And and if it if you have a choice, there are plenty of options. But for most people, they're going to put money into their retirement account because there's a matching, frankly. That's a nice thing. Right? It's nice to get free money. Who doesn't want free money? I just went over that. Raise your hand. So you're going to put money in, your employer puts money in. Here's the problem with all of this, and I'll get to this, the, the second part in a second, but think about this. I mean, just think about this. Remove your little socialist brain for a second, or at least this part of your brain, and ask yourself, I work for a machine shop, a dairy, a bakery, small co- grocery store, whatever. What do they know about retirement planning? Uh, oh, what do they know about health insurance? So you're asking them to be good at manufacturing and be a good mechanic and be a good... uh, No, you're not. You're saying you have to be a good financial professional. You're saying be a good mechanic and no health insurance. Be a good mechanic and no retirement planning. 
So re- recently I was reviewing a retirement plan for uh, a client. And he said, Arif, we have this thing called a simple IRA. Simple, S-I-M-P-L-E. Stands for something, don't worry about it. In my opinion, it's one of the old-fashioned. It's like saying, listen, I have a really neat car. It's a 1972 Ford pickup. Does it do the job? Yeah, it does. Is it the best vehicle for the job? Not even close. Not anymore. But when you get somebody who's great at their particular industry, it's a computer uh, uh, software, computer uh, management software company, put it nicely. What do they know about retirement planning? They don't. Somebody's cousin's brother, so-and-so, is probably the agent who works for that company, whose, whose level of, of sophistication is not very high because he or she was hired for what? The relationship, not the intellectual capacity for retirement planning. So my point is, what if you were to just say, hey, listen, I'm a worker. Wouldn't it be amazing if you they could say, listen, you're a worker, you can have one retirement account, which means wherever you go to work, whoever you work for, wherever these dollars come from, if they come from your work, you just give the employer, hey, every two weeks, deposit money into this account. You can have a hundred workers. It's a hundred places to go. Today, it's just key, keystrokes in a computer. It means nothing, a bunch of numbers, right? Just like a routing number and an account number. So in other words, if you work for a company and you want your money to go to stocks, bonds, mutual funds, let them do it. You want it to go to, to safer uh, fixed or fixed index annuities, let it go. You want to buy real estate, let it go. You can buy all those things with your retirement plan. Gold, let it go. But instead, they ask the employer to try to become an expert in an area like health insurance that changes every other week, right? Or retirement planning where the rules change as the politicians see fit. And oh, by the way, what does it cost? Two or three employees that are not doing manufacturing or plumbing or or grocery store workers. No, no, no. These are two or three employees whose only job is to manage the health care plan and the benefits packages and the retirement plan. So when you say, but listen, I'm an expert at, you know, air conditioning. Well, tough luck. You better be an expert as well, or at least good enough. Or man, are you going to get in trouble? Because yes, the penalties, the fines, the fees, they're huge. So what's happening now, now that companies don't really have an understanding how these plans work and nor do individuals, right? There's never been any education. So now today, Ready for this? Fox Business reports more money's coming out of 401k plans, which means more sales of stocks, bonds, and mutual fund shares. Now, here's what I mean. You go to work, you put $100 into your retirement plan at work. The mutual fund that you buy has rules that it has to abide by. Some of those rules say, we are only allowed to keep 10% in cash. The rest has to be invested in what we say we are. So if they say we are a large cap mutual fund, that means we are a large company, capitalization, that's what the cap stands for, value, right? We are a large company investment vehicle. So every time you give us $100, instead of $100 being invested in Pepsi, no, no, no. They have some in Pepsi, some in Nike, some in Mattel, some in uh, Ford and GM and AT&T, 
So a dollar here, two dollars there, a dollar fifty spread out amongst, I don't know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred different companies. So instead of a hundred in one company, maybe a dollar twenty-five of your hundred dollars is invested in that company. And that happens every week with every person. All right, pretty important. You realize that? Because when if you have a mutual fund that's small company mutual, guess what? They invest in small companies. Bond, bond, simple, right? So what takes place now when you put all that money into the the, uh, retirement vehicles, they put it into the stock market. So stay with me with this because I don't have a whiteboard to draw this out, but I think I can probably illustrate it clearly. Here's what I think is the problem that people don't realize. You see, when you put money into the retirement accounts, those uh, the managers have to buy certain shares of companies, which means there's less of those shares available because more people want to buy them. So the price of the share goes up, supply and demand. Just like when there was more people wanting to buy houses, the house prices went up. So when there's a lot of people that wanted to buy uh, through their 401k, the stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, the prices of those things went up. It didn't mean that people were buying more toys, so Mattel was a better company, or more shoes, so Nike was a better company. No, no. It almost has nothing to do, not quite, when I say almost, I mean almost. Almost has nothing to do with the product. Oh, it has a great product. Oh, it has a wonderful uh, company. No, no. It's the purchase, it's the supply and demand of the shares of that company. So there's a hundred shares and three people want to buy them. The share price has to go down. If there's a hundred shares or pieces of that company available to be purchased and there's 500 people that want it, well, guess what happens to the price? It goes way up until people drop off that can't afford it. And there's a hundred people to buy, right? It always finds its balance and it does with the price. All right. I hope that's clear. Because now people are borrowing money. They're doing hardship withdrawals, which means that they're not even borrowing. They're just taking money out of their retirement accounts, their 401k plans at work. Because they have to pay their bills. They're saying, listen, I I can't pay my bills. I can't afford my health insurance. I'm going to lose my house. Give me a hardship withdrawal. So it isn't as if the money is going back into the stock market pool. It's they're saying, sell these shares, give me my piece, I'm going to take that piece and pay my electric bill. That's important you understand that because that can begin to put downward pressure on the stocks, meaning the stock bond mutual funds can go down in value. And as they go down in value, surprise, what do we have as a stock market? Well, it's suffering right now, isn't it? Right? If you want your money safe and protected from market declines, there is a vehicle that does that. Your food, shelter, clothing should come from your job when you're working. You want retirement accounts if you have 20 years, 15 years before you retire. Then you put your money in the market. You let it go up and down, up and down. Because you're buying more shares when it's down. You're buying less when it's higher. Right? By doing that process, you are constantly in a position of accumulating shares. Because your food, your shelter, your clothing, your bills comes from your paycheck. 
But when we get closer to retirement, five years or so, when you're in retirement, when you have already been retired, then your food, shelter, clothing should not come from your job because by definition, you're retired. Some of it might come from social security. Some of it might come from a pension, but somewhere in that bucket, you're going to have to say, and I have to sell some of my shares to eat dinner. So give me some money from my IRA, my individual retirement account, sell some of those pieces, those shares of that company and give me the cash so that I could pay my car payment. Okay. If the value of those shares, those pieces of the company are lower, that means when you invested, you bought things at a much higher price, but today, because you're forced to, you're retired and the market is low, you're forced to sell it at a lower price. Can you say running out of money before we die? Mm-hmm. It's possible. What about the option to not run out of money before we die? Can you do that? Yes, you can. Right? How does social security work? You ever think about that? They take money from all the workers through most of their working life. Okay. I work for the city. No, I work for the county. No, but most workers, they put it into social security. And then when you retire, they say, and we'll pay you out. We'll give you some of that money back. If you die too soon, well, tough luck. We got to keep it. If you live a long time, well, social security loses and you win. And today, many people are outliving what they put in, right? If you ever do the math, you put in money when you were making peanuts. And today with inflation, cost of living, the value, you're taking out a lot more than you ever put in. So you have to ask yourself, now that there is a greater demand of people selling things to get money out of the market, do you think there's any chance with 10,000 people a day retiring. Uh, uh, that's a euphemism, by the way. So uh, let's be clear. Taking money out of the market so that they could eat dinner. Selling so they could eat dinner, right? 10,000 people a day hitting age 65. Eligible for Social Security. Retiring at record numbers because they can't find a job, because they don't like their work because they kind of got used to staying at home and now their boss says, come in and they're like, yeah, I'm good. I don't want to come in. They're leaving California. How many people left California in the middle of the pandemic so that they could telecommute from a city state outside of California? You know them. I can give you 30 of them off the top of my head because they're our clients. Hey, Eric, are you licensed to do business in Idaho? Yes, we are. Florida. Yep. Texas. Uh-huh. North Carolina, yep, Tennessee, all day long. Right? That's what happens. These folks say, I'm going to telecommute. I can telecommute from Henderson, Nevada, from Las Vegas. And if I have a meeting or something, I'll just fly in or drive in. And then the companies like Twitter say, and you know what? We're done with that. Come into work or else. Right? Or you worked at a place like Twitter. Now, I can promise you there's not a lot of 65-year-olds, 62-year-olds working at Twitter. Just, just a guess, we'll call that. <laughs> Unless you're Jim Baker and you're, you know, you're the attorney that's hiding stuff and you're a cheater and a liar, which, by the way, he is. But that's besides the point. 
But let's say you were and Twitter comes along or your employer comes along and says, and you know what? We're going to fire 70, maybe 80% of our workers because we think we can do it without you guys. Oh, surprise, they did. Right? What, what are you going to do if you were 65 years old and your employer says we're shutting down the West Coast Division, the East Coast Division, Northern Division, wh- whatever, and we are going to make a change? Are you going to go back to work at 64? Probably not. So now you're pulling money out of your retirement account, which means you are selling shares, selling pieces of companies, turning it into dollars because we take dollars to the grocery store. We don't take shares to the grocery store. That's important. You know that. So what are we seeing as pressure, as a downward pressure, if you will, on people's retirement accounts and their living and their ability to retire and, and live comfortably? I want to give you an example of this person, uh, 52-year-old city of Los Angeles employee, good lady, four children, $122,000 in student loans. Let's, let's be clear. 52 years old, four kids, all adult children, right? Now, a few of them in their 30s. $122,000 in student loans. She, it's currently deferred, meaning she's not paying it. Makes about 78, 90, 78 to 80,000 a year, rather. Deferred, meaning she isn't paying it. The reality is she just is late. She's just not paying it. So interest on top of interest. The city pension in six years, her, her goal was to retire in six years. Her city pension in six years will most likely have a lien against it. That means the IRS, which is new, the new collection agency for student loans. Did you know that? Right a few years ago, President Obama signed an executive order and said no longer will there be private student loans. There's only going to be public student loans. People clapped. Yay, more government. Woo, government. Woo, yeah, yeah. High five. Oh, oh, oh and by the way, that means we're going to have the IRS be the collection agency for your student loans. And in her case, they were parent plus loans. So what is a parent plus loan? Uh, it's kind of like prison, uh, but you get a little bit better food, but not a lot. Yeah, Parent Plus Loan, if you haven't done it, if you're getting ready to sign for it, I'm going to tell you, no way, ever, don't. If you already did it, come in and see me. We'll see if we can get a structured you know, a payment plan, some sort of a, a debt elimination so we can get out of it as quick as possible. But if you're thinking about doing it, do not do it. Her kids said, we're not going to pay it, Mom. They basically have barely above minimum wage jobs. They're not going to pay it, both because they can't and because they said we're not. Mom, we didn't. You're the one that wanted us to go to school. You you wanted us to go to school. This is a minority lady, right? I, I want to emphasize that because uh, so were her kids, which meant today you could go to college for free. Maybe not your college at your place at your time. But you could go to college for free, meaning I pay for it, not you, right? Because I pay taxes. And so instead, they chose to go to a different school, that this, this, and then I needed money, mom, and I have to do this, and you don't understand the social life, and I have to be in the sorority, my fraternity, and my brothers and sisters, and oh, my word. And at the end, they work for barely basic minimum wage jobs. Sorry. But but what about no? 
not a little, never, ever take out a student loan. Never. But Eric, if I can't afford to go to school, work two jobs and go when you're 26 instead of 22. I don't know. Find a way to work on campus. Go to a different college. Right? Work two jobs. There's no such thing as weekends and holidays off when you're a student. I, I used to sleep in my car in a parking structure because it's where I worked. So, so I would sleep and take a quick little sponge bath in the gas station bathroom on the corner. Right? You do whatever you have to do. Oh, Eric, you're so lucky now. Look at your life. Oh, really? I, I wouldn't have said I was lucky back then. I still would have said blessed because I had my health and my parents and my mom and dad had a house and they said, Eric, you can come here anytime. You can live here anytime, but you have to be in school or you have to be working. There's always going to be food. Even now I go by, there's food, right? You never have to worry about food. That's our family. But we're not going to buy you a car, Arif. I'm not going to go into debt for your student loans, Arif. Right? I mean, plus there was a level of shame and guilt that we understood, which, by the way, is not always a bad thing. Right? Uh, why would I want to take from my parents of everything else they gave me and now I'm going to take... What? But today... Right? I see uh, clients with... A daughter, beautiful daughter, smart, great car, boyfriend, pretty, pretty girl. Life is wonderful. Mom has 40000 in student loans that can't retire until that's done. Girl has been graduated from college a long time ago. Hey, can you help pay it? No, Mom, I got a new car I've got to pay for. Mom's driving an old car. Daughter's driving a new car. Mom in prison with student loan debt. Daughter is in, uh, in Las Vegas partying all summer long every other weekend. All right. Maybe you raised crappy kids. But you need to have a heart-to-heart -heart with them. Listen, these are your student loan debt. I get it there in my name. But you understand that this is a very bad thing. Try to threaten them with, with their inheritance. And guess what? They're going to say, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Because they don't think you're going to die tomorrow and or they're not going to get anything. Anyway. Right? So don't expect them to, to feel anything. There's no emotion. So I, I really want you guys to be careful about the student loan world. I do because, listen, when you give away money for somebody, to somebody, for something they didn't deserve, right? Minority reparations. When there's more black folks from Africa that have come to the United States post-slavery than ever came during slavery. Which was an abhorrent thing, by the way. And if it's so ugly and bad, which it is, why aren't you guys standing up, right? This is so bad. We are standing up for slavery that's happening right now in South Sudan. Oh, wait, we're not, are we? Oh, well, it's got to be the, the, the slavery in Libya and Tunisia with the Arabs. Uh, uh, oh, no, 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 we're not. No, it's not slavery. So it is slavery, but not the ones that are happening in Afghanistan right now that ha are going at exponential rates. Why? Well, because we, we fled, we ran. We ran away, Biden. So what do you think they're doing now? Right? Because it's tribal. There's still slavery happening in West Africa. There's still slavery happening in the Congo. So you're telling me that now we're going to give somebody something? Who? What do you think they're going to do? Barack Lurie said it earlier. 
Stand by. You think there's a flood of illegal immigrants coming across the southern border. How many folks do you think from Baltimore are going to now be California residents? <laughs> right? Chicago. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm a victim. Give me money. You don't think that's going to happen? What, are you crazy? Or is it a way to import some more votes so that they vote for you? Right? When Biden said, oh, and I will wipe away your student loan debt, everybody knew he wasn't allowed to do that. Just like he was not allowed to say, and you don't have to pay rent. That is illegal. That is wrong. If any of you didn't pay your rent and you had the money to do so, shame on you. Yeah, shame on you. It means I might lose you as a listener, but shame on you. You can fix it, though. That's a good thing. We all have character uh, tests that we fail now and again, right? We all have integrity mistakes. You took money from a landlord or a bank and you didn't have to pay it. Shame on you. Shame on you. You stole. Biden uh, Newsom doesn't get, don't give you the rights to steal, right? I, I don't care what kind of suit he's wearing, what teleprompter he's reading off of. A moratorium on paying your rent. Are you kidding me? It has nothing to do with you. Well, if people are struggling, well, then that's between you and your landlord. It has nothing to do with the governor. Your landlord can work out a deal or not. Can say, listen, I have to eat, I have to eat dinner. I have to pay my bills. Right? The state of California, the city of Los Angeles, the county of Los Angeles, if a, if a tenant does not pay and the landlord sues him, the landlord has to pay for an attorney out of his or her own pocket. The tenant goes to the county and the county pays for their attorney. So the tenant does not pay for the attorney, does not even pay for the electric bills, does not pay for the mortgage, does not pay for the HOA, doesn't pay for anything, the landlord has to pay for his own attorney and at the end still has to give this person five or ten grand to move out. I wonder why there isn't people that are just renting left and right. Why isn't there a, a boom of apartment buildings being built so that there would be a solution to the housing crisis? Because you treat landlords as if they're pariah. Why would anybody want to work with that? They're like, no, thank you. I'm gone. And when you take, you take somebody like a solid city employee that has been an employee for 30 years and you convince them their only chance for their child, their children to have a success in life is to go to college and you convince the kids that their whole life, they're just victims and then the, the, you, you put that all in a pot and you stir it. And then at the end, what do you get? You get the kids going to a college, being a victim. You get the mom thinking she's doing the best thing in the world for her children by getting a student loan. And then in the end, the kids say, no, 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 I'm a victim. I don't have to pay any student loan debt. What are you talking about? That's not for me. And because one plus one is two and there's a bucket of money sitting there, somebody has to pay it. Regardless of the race of the person that took out the money, it's still money. It's still a loan. So please don't get yourself into debt. All right? Not this kind of debt. Recession is coming. Let's get out of bad debt as quick as possible. All right? Thanks for listening. Stay with me in the second half of the program. I have your emails. One of them is fairly uh, interesting because I think you'll find this very unique when we come back on the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay tuned for the second hour. Strategy. 
on the Total Financial Hour on AM870. The answer, that's 888-99-RETIRE. We'll be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Halaby. Second hour of the Total Financial Hour. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven. 3847. TFS Financial Insurance Services, that's our job, is to be able to help you get out of debt, manage money, plan for the future, right? Kind of going through this process, seeing how we can create wealth or help retain it, more importantly, right? Maybe create wealth for the next generation, maybe even sit around and make sure your charities, your nonprofits inherit the money properly. I'm going to say it again because it's worth repeating uh, numerous times in case you've heard it before. At least now you will know it for sure. And that is this. When you leave money to your children, which is often the case, right? Usually it's spouse first and then the children or child. When you do that, or even, let me back up, or even a niece or a nephew. All right. this, This applies not just your offspring. All right. I want you to leave real estate, which means your primary home. Maybe you have a vacation home, maybe a rental property. I want you to leave life insurance, whether it's a small amount or a large amount. And I want you to leave Roth, R-O-T-H, Roth programs, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks. That's who you leave, what you leave to your spouse, your kids, your offspring, your nieces, nephews, friends. You do not leave them your retirement account. Now, why is that such an important thing to kind of go over? Because if you leave your retirement account, it is all taxable. Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you also know that in this whole process of trying to figure out what to leave and who and how much, you've also created an opportunity for the tax person, tax man, as they say. I haven't heard any pronoun changes on him. Right now it's the tax man. Or Uncle Sam. Maybe we're going to call it, uh, you know, Offspring Sam, where it could be, right, like Pat, Sam. Some of those names could be male or female. So far, Arif. I don't know of any female Arifs, but maybe. Maybe that's coming. You don't want them to sit in line, the, the IRS, etc., to sit in line and say, okay, I'm so sorry for your loss, but write us a check. That's exactly what they do when you leave them your retirement account. Okay, but what if it's the only thing you have to give? Okay, well, sometimes then that's all you have to give, right? You might have a residence, but you might have needed needed to turn it on for a reverse mortgage. So you turn it on for a reverse mortgage. Well, now the house is not necessarily going to be there in the same capacity as you would expect if you didn't have a reverse mortgage. A reverse mortgage is simple. It's where the bank now pays you. They put a lien on your house. So they might give you, let's just say, $100,000 in cash, paid off your old mortgage, and now still give you $1,000 a month. Let's just say it's something like that. Well, that means you still have to pay the property taxes. 
the electric bill. None of that changes. It would happen no matter what anyway, right? I mean, you would still have to pay all that stuff no matter what. But what about this? You do all of that, and then you still have to end up paying for your uh, uh, food, shelter, clothing, health care. Right? So what do you do when you said, but I wanted to leave the house to the kids because Arif said it was a good idea. The life insurance has expired because we had a term insurance policy and it's run its course. So term is over. Now what? Well, then now you might, you might, you might have to leave the, the retirement accounts, right? That's fine if that's what you have to do. But let me give you this. I want to give you an email. And I think this is a very important email because for most people, they don't realize how you're planning and what you're planning to do can change a lot of the way you position your assets today. Here's a good example. This is from John and Linda. John says, my wife, 63 years old, and I am 64, we want to retire in the next few months. She has a retirement plan from her work that has a balance of about $280,000. We recently moved it into the money market account inside of her 403B because we have already lost $50,000 since the beginning of the year. All right, I'm going to pause there for a minute. Here's what it tells me. 403B is a retirement account that is available if you work at a school district, hospital, research facility, or a nonprofit. A 401K means you it's a retirement account, but you work for a for-profit agency, uh, government, uh, sorry, for-profit uh, employer, right? General Motors, my company, uh, Southern California Edison, anytime you work for a for-profit company, it's called a 401k. Now, if you work for a city, a county, a state, yours is called deferred compensation. In our industry, we know it as 457. You guys it as Horizons, which is your LA County version, but it's still a 457, still deferred compensation, but they all act the same way, unless you have a Roth version. So for, forget that for a second, set that aside. They all work the same way. You go to work, you make 50,000 a year, you put 5,000 into that 403B, 401K, 457, deferred comp. Today, if you put 5,000 there, you only pay tax on 5,000. When you retire, where you retire, that $5,000 plus the interest that it made is now taxed at whatever tax bracket you're at. People say, well, how much tax will I pay? I don't know. What other tax write-offs do you have? What other income do you have? What state are you going to live in? All of those things impact whether or not or how much you're going to pay in taxes. So that's a little bit of a uncertainty. That's why a lot of people have been transitioning to these 403B Roth accounts, R-O-T-H. Now, if you're in your 60s, probably not a good idea because you're not going to have time to make up what you're going to have to pay in taxes because there is a taxable event. I won't get into that here today, but just know probably not a good idea if you're in your 60s. Late 50s, still probably not a great idea. Early 50s, probably a great idea. Okay. Continuing. Now, let me back up. He lost, they lost $50,000 in their retirement account. That's the norm, you guys, for you, for you out there. This year, there's a huge amount of losses that, that people have incurred 
The reason I don't like you putting your money from these retirement accounts that I just mentioned, the reason I don't like you putting that money in the market is because although he had a loss, can he write that off on his taxes? No, he can't. Because uh, he paid fees with that 403B. I don't care what they say. Oh, uh, I paid $24 a year. You know, I'm going to always be kind to you because my mom and dad taught me to be kind. As long as you deserve to be kind, I'll be kind. But I'm going to tell you, if you think somebody's going to work for $25 a year, you're crazy. Oh, if I don't pay any fees, I have that, that no fee account. Really? So you work for free. Right? Go back to the logic, people. There's a logic that should exist inside of you that Wall Street has been really good at getting out of your mind for a long time. They've been, they've been good at convincing you to listen to a few. Th- Every year, people lose money. At, uh, uh, at least I'm not as bad as my neighbor. Uh, I didn't lose as much as my friend. Uh, doesn't everybody lose? Doesn't everybody pay a fee? Right? They convince you to, to play this game. Right? It, listen, Fauci was great at it. The CDC, they, they had you wear a mask, the same one that went in your briefcase that sat on your rearview mirror, your gear shifter, right? your, your blinker, that, that, that mask that was in your back pocket. And they, they make you feel like it actually... Get a rabbit's foot, is what I say. If you're going to wear a mask, get a rabbit's foot. You got a 50-50 shot at both of those being effective. Because nobody wears a mask properly. If you have facial hair... The virus gets right in. Oh, but Arif wore an N95 mask. Yeah, I agree. I think you should rebreathe the same air. What do you think that's doing to your brain cells? Your body just says, breathe out this carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide rather, and then breathe it right back in. And then breathe it out, and then breathe it right back in. Come on. What happened to your common sense, folks? Right? I guess we've lost it over the last few years. So now it's not surprising. Wall Street's pretty good at it. All right, I want to continue with John, right? They've already lost 5000 at the beginning of the year. Here's John. I have paid off the house a few years ago, and since then, I've been saving the amount of the house payment in our savings account every month. That's pretty darn good, guys. I like that. Right? Yesterday, you had a bill. Tomorrow, you have a bill, except it's just called your savings account. So when you pay off a debt, like a car or something, I want you to continue saving putting that money out of your budget, but into your savings account. Okay. Each of us currently receive around $2,100 a month in social security income. That $4,200 is also added to a small grocery workers union pension that she had for many years ago. And that's about $380 a month. Okay. That's pretty good guys. All right. Listen, grocery union pensions have become kind of the the example of, I don't know, uh, I, I love them all, but let me tell you, if somebody stole the money somewhere because something went fishy. Grocery union pensions, I have $170. I'm like, are you kidding me? What? That's what's left of your pension? Who took the money? Somebody did. Here's John. I inherited my parents' old house and we're not sure if we want to keep it or rent it out. The rent... Uh, yeah, keep it and rent it out or sell it. The rent would be $2,500 after all expenses. If we sell it in this market, we will net over 650000 The difference between net and gross, think of a fishing net, 
fishing net, that's what you keep after everything out. It's gross how much went through the holes. <laughs> the gross is what you would get before the taxes. The net, like a fishing net, right? It's what you get to keep after all the taxes and expenses. So after all the fees and expenses, they would they would put 650000 in their pocket. Arif, if I want to invest $500,000 for additional retirement income, how much do you think I can get each month? Is it possible to make sure I can leave something for our four children? Sincerely, John and Linda. Okay. All right, guys. This is important. Here we go. Here's how I would break it down. If we took $2,000 a month for 10 years without any interest, just think of it. We're just taking out the principal. All right, we separate the account into two buckets, if you will. 240000 for 10 years, that is $2,000 a month. Now we're going to earn interest in it, but let's just say we don't. Let's play pretend, right? Then I would take 300000 Well, in the next 10 years, that 300000 could be well over seven hundred. Now look, we just made all the money back. We're 10 years further down the line, and that now gives them $2,500 a month and increases each year for the rest of their life. Now, $300,000, $240,000, that's five forty. So what? So that still leaves them about $110,000 in their pocket. What can they do with it? Well, you could travel. You can give it to the kids in advance. I like it when people do that, actually. I don't mean everything, but drips and drabs. We do that. I give a little bit to the kids. Why? Because I want to see how they're going to deal with it. Right? Before I give you a million dollars, kids, I want to make sure you're going to deal with this $10,000 properly. Oh, you blew it? Well, it's a good thing it only cost us $10,000 to figure out you haven't managed your money properly. So what are you going to do with mine? Oh, you did good things with it? Well, great. Then I'm going to continue down to, to give you the rest of, of what your potential inheritance is someday. That's the key, right? The key is to test their greed, test their management ability, test their judgment skills. So if you rent out the house, guys, and this is what you end up with. You have to deal with renters. John and Linda, if you guys rent this house out, there's an emotional attachment that you're going to have to this home because it was your mom's and dad's, right? So the way they treat the house, they painted the walls purple. They took out those plants. They put in these plants. The way they treat it can sometimes be a bit of an emotional burden for you. And besides, listen, sometimes, not always, sometimes renters can be headaches especially if you're new to the field of renting. If this is a new journey for you, if you haven't been a renter, a uh, landlord before, then I want you to be pretty careful about deciding whether or not you're going to rent out this house. Because there's peace of mind that comes with just knowing on the first of every month you have money coming in. So I don't want you to think of, about this as a, well, a one-size-fits-all. Because right now, you guys will have $4,500, $4,600 a month coming in. If we add another $2,000, that's, what, $6,000 plus a month? Is $6,000 a month with no house payment 
can you live the way you want to live? You have four kids, probably one of them, if not all, are going to be in different places, especially if they pay attention to the, the politics and the expenses uh, of living in California, the quality of life. You're going to see a lot of young people moving, certainly moving out of the LA area, if not Southern California or, or California altogether. So I like the idea of that 115000 being off to the side. What would we use it for? We would use it to travel. You might use it to, to give the kids a little bit of a head start on their, on their home. Maybe when they're in their 30s, 40s, right? Probably where they are right about now is their 20s and 30s. Maybe you get a chance to give them just a little bit of a better house, right? So instead of them living in this neighborhood with the school district, so-so, good, but so-so, you can give them just enough to give them into a little bit of a better school district, a little bit of a better neighborhood. Right, if they're deserving of it. But John and Linda, one of you is the softy, just because statistically one of you is the softy. I think it's me most of the time in our relationship, but but I guess I can be hard, but most of the time I would guess I'm the softy. But John and Linda, one of you is the softy, which means when the kids ask for something, you're more likely to give it to them and not, you know, stand firm. But I need you to know this, both of you. You do not have to treat them the same. I don't. And as it stands right now, God forbid, if both of us pass away, my wife and I, we're, we're not treating all three of our kids the same. We're just not. Choices, decisions, maturity level, coachability. Why would I give our hardworking uh, you know, money, our hard effort to somebody that is, is known guaranteed, has made it, will make a bad decision. Why, why are you doing that? So statistically speaking, if I have three and, and one of them is, is still struggling to make good decisions, maybe in, out of your four, you have one or two. So I need you to know this. You guys can go through, I don't mind you leaving your primary house to the kids. It's paid off. But here's the other part. What if we use some of that 100000 that's left over or so to buy a life insurance policy? I mean, what if? And now we're going to give the children whatever number you want, 100000 each, that's a $400,000 life insurance policy. We work backwards, we figure it out, what is it going to cost? So now the kids get your home and a life insurance policy, tax-free, tax-free. But meanwhile, along this journey, we have an account that over the next 10 years can help get 300000 close to or even over 700000 Take it out in the form of income, you get $2,500 a month or 30000 a year if you wanted it yearly, whatever it is, for the rest of your life. We could even make, if the market goes up, if the indexes go up, you could even make more each and every month. Right? Every year they reassess it. Is it up? Yep, we'll give you some more money. If it's down, we stay the same. That is the kind of peace of mind that gives you some direction, some guidance. So whether California runs around and does its reparation story, whether California runs around and says, now in order to do all of this, we're going to have to raise more taxes, many of you are going to sell your home. Some of you are getting out while the getting's good, right? while you can still sell your home for, for a premium, and you're buying a house in cash. In fact, we just had a client move to, uh, to Texas. We usually get three or four a month. This was last week. 
his home in Texas. He said, Arif, we have 12 acres. And I guess the key in Texas, by the way, guys, is to have a home with more than 10 acres because then you can get the agricultural exemption on the property taxes. Pretty nice. So he has 12 acres. They rent out a few of the acres for alfalfa farming in the back. Somebody pays them like $1,000 a year. So they get a little bit of money. And ready for this? This is exciting. A pond, a bigger house, a big shop. He likes a workshop there. And all of that for less money than he sold his home in Santa Clarita, Valencia, right? It's not a bad deal. When you think about it, no income tax, no house payment now. And this is important. His property taxes are way lower than California. Now, if he had a house on one acre or something, he's going to pay bigger uh, uh, property taxes for sure. The property taxes in California are much lower than some parts of Texas. And the reason is simple. It's because we also have high sales tax, gas tax, income tax. So we have taxes left and right on everything. Other states will select one of those areas. They'll select low income and low property, but high sales tax. Or for example, like uh, Oregon, no sales tax, but it has an income tax, right? So they have different ways, different formulas to pay their bills because every state has bills, of course. So what did he do? Well, when our client bought the house in Texas, he has all this extra money. He said, Arif, I want to make sure that my kids inherit this house, but not all of them are going to move in Texas. A couple of them do, but the rest of them stayed in California. So he said, hey, pretty simple. Can you do this? I'm going to put together in my estate the house and the life insurance. So aggregate, so together, that is the benefit, that is the inheritance to our children. The ones that want to live in Texas or currently do, great. They can keep or sell the house. But we're putting that plus the life insurance together, add it all up, divide by his three kids, and they all get one third of that. Right? They're married. They have grandchildren. Maybe he'll change it to grandchildren. You can change your living trust. We do. You can change your living trust on a regular basis if you want. I don't like this child. I don't like their spouse. <laughs> I do like their spouse. Put them back in. Don't put them in. Make this person the executor. Make this person the executor. You can move that stuff around every week if you want. So please be careful as you're trying to figure out how are you going to leave the money to the kids? What asset? That's important. But don't dwell on it more than taking care of yourself. I think that's the primary role. In fact, what I would do is say, John and Linda and and everybody... First, you solve for your problems, which is what am I trying to do? More income. That's a problem. Let's solve for it. Less liability. That's a problem. Let's solve for it. Right? Maybe it, it means less liability means sell that, the, the, your parents' home. Uh, maybe the answer is I want to have more tax-free income. Great. Let us know. We have accounts that can give you a big tax-free distribution over time. Right? In all of these cases... You tell me the problem, we find the solution. You give me the purpose of the money, I'll tell you the place for the money. 
What I don't want you to do is to ask yourself, how do you create, this is important, how do you, cre you create wealth and yet at the same time, you know, share your money with the government. So many, so many of you think that the government does a, a pretty good job. Not even a, listen, you know, they don't, but you'll, you'll say that they do. And here's how you say it. Well, it's not that bad. Well, it could be worse. Look, of course they need money to, to pay their bills. What are you crazy? Of course we need a strong military and an electric grid. But when the city of LA used to, charges taxes and then they turned around and said oh by the way the taxes are for the trash collection and then and then all of a sudden they raise taxes on the trash and call it a trash fee oh now it's now it's not about trash now it's about the roads and bridges that's why we're, we're charging such high gasoline tax oh and then they come along and say oh now now it's not about the gasoline tax paying it it doesn't pay enough car registration that's for the roads and the bridges that's for yeah well, didn't you, you're, you're paying for the same, it's like a Ponzi scheme. You're paying for the same thing over and over and over. You told me that our income tax was for the roads and bridges. You told me that it was for uh, the gasoline tax and now the car registration. So enough of you out there are trying to figure out why in, these dollars are slipping and sliding. Well, there's your answer, right? Over and over again, you sit around and you ask yourself, how is it? that as we stay in California, it gets more and more expensive, and yet the roads and the bridges. Well, here's one of the answers. The state of California passed a law many years ago that says that 40% of the budget, 4-0, 40% of the budget is required to be spent on education. Currently, Governor Newsom spends 50. Half of all money coming into the state goes to education. Now, when teachers were working at home, and listen, I'm, I'm telling you to a teacher, they didn't have a good time and it was very difficult. They weren't trained for it. And yet, to a teacher, to a person, when you tell them that half of all of the money collected in the state of California is supposed to go to education, none of them believe you. They say, are you kidding? Why, why do I have to buy my own books? Why do I have to buy my own pencils? Well, because the LA Unified, for example, has so many administrators making 150, 250, 300,000 a year. It's incredible. Go to transparentcalifornia.com. Transparentcalifornia.com. Type in any school district you want, and it will tell you the highest paid people in that district. I think you'll be shocked and wonder why our kids aren't learning. It's pretty scary. Why your bridges and roads? We're spending it in the wrong place. All right, stay with me after the break. I have another email for you. This one is interesting because I've never had one just like this, and I thought I'd share it with you. Stay with me. Air of Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'll be right back. got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. 
Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Show. TFS Financial Insurance Services bring this to you, Total Financial Solutions, every week. Uh, we appreciate it for a couple of reasons. One is the idea of understanding how money works is very important. The second part of it is this. I thank you guys. There are many, many of you that are clients. And I appreciate your trust. Uh, we don't take that lightly. In fact, I take that very seriously. Uh, so much so that it's my job to worry about and to plan for and to solve the problem for and to create retirement solutions for you. That's what we do. The income solutions that we create are pretty important. When you choose to work with us, I want you to know that we donate, we give money, we provide a way for Dennis and Larry and and for PragerU, we provide a way for those folks through very small portions, but to stay on the air. And that is directly related to you. The work that Dennis Prager does, the work that Prager University does, Larry Elder, it's a big deal because somebody has to do it. You've heard me mention to you many times that I'm sorry that you retired or you lived maybe and retired at a time like this where it's not just scuba diving and rock climbing and uh, active adventures and travel the world and it's about me and visit the kids when you feel like it and uh, you know rediscover each other as a couple and all the things that retirement in this phase of life might might be. Uh, I don't apologize as if I had something to do with it. I, I, it's more of an empathetic sorry because at this time in history, you're going to have to make a choice. And believe it or not, the choice is getting involved or not. When you choose to work with us, part of what we earn goes to pay for those causes. So we thank you for supporting the fighters. I think that matters. If you can't be a fighter, support the fighters. That's what our job is, is to both be a fighter here and support the fighters with Prager and Dennis Prager and Prager University and others. Turning Point and you know, other organizations. But this is important for you because I think you getting involved where your assets, your money, your food, shelter, clothing is not required on some job canceling you. Some employer saying we're taking away your job or the state of California knocking on the door like they've done to doctors and say, take the vaccine, stop saying this about the vaccine on and on or else we're going to take away your medical license. They're doing that. Now imagine you're a 40 year old doctor with a half a million dollars in student loan debt, right? You're beholden. You're, you're, it's a slavery, slavery without the chains on your ankle is what it is, right? We own your license. We control your license. We own you because it's a half a million dollars in student loan debt. Try to go anywhere in the country that will follow you because the IRS is the enforcement agency. So you're not an independent physician anymore. Look, in the 70s, the doctors sold out to the insurance companies because the blues came along and said, we'll give you 95%, I don't know what number it was, 93, 95, 90%, whatever it was. We're going to give you 95% of what you would have made, but you don't have to do the billing. We'll take care of everything. You don't have to try to collect from the patient. Just accept our health insurance. And the American Medical Association the beginning of many bad decisions that they made chose to accept that as an option and really push and push and push for their members to accept 
health insurance. Now, fast forward 40 or 50 years, health insurance is paying 20%, maybe 30%, and not of everything. That means back then, if you build $1,000 for a procedure, the insurance company paid you $950. Today, if you build $1,000 for a procedure, the insurance company pays you $300. If you're lucky, I've seen it where they build procedures and the poor folks are, you know, the, the doctors. And I, I go, wait a second. So you're telling me how, how in the heck are you supposed to pay, make a living when they gave you, you know, 45 bucks or something for procedure? Who, where does that go? Right? Who, who pays that? Did you overbill? Did you lie? Did you say you did something that you didn't do? Or is this just their funny business? Well, often it's their funny business, right? So my point is today, you're not born at a time in the middle of everything where some of you are blessed to have health insurance paid for by your employer. That's fine. Somebody else is paying it. Just make sure it keeps getting paid. But what about your time? Right? Some of you choose to work with us. Some of your, what you do does go to support the cause. But I don't think that's enough. I think you're going to have to get involved in school districts, run for school board, what are you good at? I don't know. If, if you've got a PhD in something, somebody will believe you. right? If you have a master's degree in something, you can run for a school board. If you have an avocation of an engineer, run for the county city planning district. But you cannot let the progressives and the Democrats in. You just can't. In fact, I, I, I want to say war without the, the weapons and the fighting uh, physically, but it's basically a war. Look at what they're doing. The school districts are allowing children to act like cats. You don't believe this. We have direct evidence. They are allowing children to act like cats. They have to be treated as such. The teachers have to call them their cat name. They sit in the class and, and stroke their hands and their fingers and they lick their, their arms like a cat does. They go to the, the bathroom in the, in the uh, stalls, in the bathroom, the, the girls' bathroom, boys' bathroom, whatever they are, and they have to go to the bathroom in a litter box. Now, you can have a wonderful vacation. You get to travel to Bahamas. Good job you pre pre uh, prepared, provided for yourself and your family. Now what? Are you going to sit on the sidelines and let these fools continue to run the show? Waterboard, look at all the rain we had. Trillions, with a T, trillions of gallons are currently running out to sea. Fresh water, gone. Out to the ocean. And then we tell people, oh, you can't take a shower or we're going to fine you for watering your lawn. Huh? Where's the sanity? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Some of you are thinking it's your neighbor or it's the guy down the street or it must be that guy over in that car. No, guys, I, we need you. It's like the war, right? When 45-year-old when men and women still join the military to fight, right? And, and some said, I can't because I have a bum knee or back. Then you worked in the fields or the factories or you created uh, you know, you know, military uh, weapons, ammunition, you worked in the fields and created food and corn and wheat. 
Everybody did their part. Your part is not buying the next greatest RV and traveling across America. I have a feeling your part should be somewhere, somehow involved in sitting on city council, PTA president, standing up to these clowns in the uh, state assembly. I don't know. I just want you to stand up somewhere. Right? The one piece of leverage that they do not have on you is taking away your source of income. Because, guess what? I feel like Joe Biden. Guess what? <laughs> you did it already. You did it with us or whomever you've worked with. You've created retirement income or wealth strategies. And you did it without having to worry about their income for the rest of your life, without some, some employer saying you're fired because you're bringing too much attention on us. Forget it. I don't need you. I have my own money. I don't need you. I have my own wealth. All right. So I just want to encourage you to do that. I'm just seeing a lot of people cower, a lot of people running. If you're going to stay in California, you need to stay and fight. Right? If you're going to be like some of those Ukrainian men that went to Poland and other places and just hid, some of the wealthier oligarchs, right? We put money into that place. It's the most corrupt place in the world, but you drive down the street or you see Ukrainians that are here in the United States. Some of you are listening. I know you are. I'm like, what the heck are you doing here? I know I don't want to die. I'm sure you don't. But I'm sorry you were born at this time in history when you have to fight. Because Putin is trying to take over your country. Either that or you have to change your name and just not be Ukrainian anymore. Don't be proud. Ukrainian doesn't exist. Wipe it off the map. It doesn't exist anymore. If that's how you want to play, then, then you just say, listen, I'm not a Ukrainian. But shame on you for fleeing to Montenegro or any place. You should be back. Fight. Well, that's the same thing, guys. Well, I got mine. I'm an engineer. No, maybe you need to go back and be a teacher part-time at the community college. Maybe you need to be a person who goes and teaches engineering from the math perspective and not some social justice perspective. I don't know. I just want to encourage you. Somebody has to make a difference because if you don't, I just want you to know nobody will. Nobody will. And who knows the leadership that you, you uh, exude. Right When people see you out there and they say, well, if he can do it, I'm going to do it. If she can do it, I'll do it. Look at her courage. I'll stand up with her. Sometimes that's all it takes. And I see that because in this particular case, here's a couple that has done an enormous good, in my opinion. And they've done an enormous good for a couple of reasons. One... Because what they've done along the way is save and built their own money. I like it. And this is why I wanted to bring this one to your attention. Here it is. Dear Arif, my husband, 70 years old, and I, 71, have both left our jobs. I guess you can say we're retired. But we plan on starting to work full-time with a charity that we helped, founded, that we helped found a few years ago. Our thought is to use our pensions and our retirement accounts to live on while we volunteer our time, maybe 30 to 40 hours per week. Is there a way we can leave our money to the charity after we both pass away, yet still use it to live on while we are alive 
Now, how do we leave the money to the charity without being taxed? Is there a more efficient way to make sure that there is at least a certain amount of money left for the charity just in case we live long enough and use it all? We each have pensions totaling $3,300 a month and our social security checks total $4,500 a month. Right now, that is way more than we need to live on. Our retirement accounts are around $485,000. Okay, that's $7,800 a month. Part of their other email, by the way, is they've paid off their house. I don't know if I mentioned that. They paid off their home. They each have uh, Medicare and they have a, a job that is paying their health insurance, a, a, a former job. So they're pretty good shape. They have 485000 It isn't millions. That's fine. 485000 What can we do with it? How do we make sure that, and, and by the way, they don't have children. How do we make sure their charity has a certain amount of money? Here's what I would do. Number one, there's something called a second to die life insurance policy. Now, here's what that means. Basically what it sounds like. It is a joint life insurance policy, but it pays out when the second person passes, not when the first. So it is generally a little bit less money because they underwrite or they base the price on a, usually on her, but it's on the healthiest one, right? Because women live a little longer. So that's the way it goes. She's a little older. She's one year older than he is at least one year, maybe a year and a half. But they underwrite it based on the, the uh, health, of the health the, of the healthiest person. That's a good thing because it's a little bit less money. So I like the idea of using that retirement account, 485000 because there's going to be something called a required minimum distribution. That RMD or required minimum distribution is going to begin in about a year or two, age 72. So soon it's going to begin anyway. Here's what I would do. I would start taking out about $20,000 a year. That $20,000 a year would buy us, and listen, we didn't do a medical exam. I'm going to just assume you're middle of the road, right? Health-wise. So it would probably buy us something like 300000 maybe something like that, 350 ish $250,000, $350,000, something like that. Life insurance. Now, here's what it does. When you take that $20,000 out per year to pay the life insurance, that's a taxable event. But what if the life insurance policy is owned by the charity? Hmm. What if when you take that $20,000 out per year, it comes in the front door taxable to you, but you donate it to the charity tax deduction for you. Huh? So it comes in the front door, goes in the back door. Life insurance policy is not yours. It's not owned by you. You're just the insured, but it is, but you still own and control the 485,000. You still own and control the $20,000 a year. The charity gets the $20,000 a year and they can use it and probably would, of course, to pay for the $200,000, 250, 300,000 in life insurance. 
Now, you can keep doing that over and over and over for as long as you want. Let's say you do it for 10 years. How I would build it probably is to have it you know, paid up or be able to pay for itself in 10 years. Maybe a little longer, but let's just say 10 years, 10 to 12 years. So 10 years comes, you guys slow down working with the charity. Maybe you need a little assistance. Maybe you need some help. Maybe by, by that time, one of you have passed away. That happens. You can stop funding the life insurance policy. It now funds itself, if built properly, continues to go. Then what else does it do? Now you get to use that $20,000 a year to live on. That $1,500, $1,600 a month is a great addition to your income if you need it for long-term care, if you need it for uh, any other kind of living. If you needed a reverse mortgage in 10 years, you can do that. Take money out of the house. You can choose over time to leave the house after both of you pass away to the charity as well, or a different charity for that matter, whatever you want. You can do it to where the house itself is owned by you. And then when you pass away, it immediately becomes an asset of the charity. So not only do they get the $200,000 or so, $300,000, $350,000, whatever the number is, they also get a house that's probably worth a million or two million or three million by that time. So, Cindy and Larry, very simple. Cindy is 71 years old. Larry is 70 years old. They left their jobs. They now have assets paying for their lifestyle, social security, pensions, retirement accounts. If one of you or both of you are healthy enough to qualify for a second to die life insurance policy, it pays out. We use those a lot to pay for taxes. We use it a lot to pay for uh, you know, estate taxes or, or to give to a, a charity, things like that when we're trying to build up wealth. But meanwhile, we want to leave some money behind. I like that as an idea and as a concept. Okay, pretty important we look at that. What else do I have for you tonight, I, I, for you today? I think this is pretty important. You've heard me talk about the five principles for a long and healthy retirement. I want to touch on a couple of those because it's a theme that runs through both of our emails. And it's this, everyone needs to have something or someone to care for, whether it's grandchildren, a cat, a dog, even plants and a garden. You have to think of them by uh, removing the burden. You're, you're removing the burden of them, meaning this, oh, the dog needs to eat. Oh, okay, all right, I'll feed you. Dog has to go for a walk. The cat needs to go to the vet. I got to water my plants. I have to take this and remove this from this potted plant to the other. You have something that has to be done. You have children or grandchildren that need you. Many of you have parents that are in a position of starting to feel like they are just burdens. And I want you to be a part of that story to help eliminate that. Because then they have something to do. They have a job to do. You, they have a purpose in life. Because what have I seen when that doesn't exist? I've seen this. If they drink a little bit, when they retire, when they're bored, when they feel worthless, they will drink a lot. If they eat a little bit, they will eat a lot. If they gained a little bit of weight, they're going to gain a lot of weight. 
They smoked a little bit. <laughs> They're going to smoke a lot. They played games on their, their iPhones, got into debt, shopping on Amazon. Guess what they're going to end up doing? A lot of. No difference than when your two-year-old is quiet in the house, right? I remember the kids would be playing upstairs. Everything is fine. And we go, huh, it's quiet. There's three kids up there. And why do we hear nothing? Right? So you run upstairs. You're like, hello, kids. What are you doing? You know, you have a five, a four, and a two-year-old, and you're like, hmm, what are they doing? Something's wrong. (laughs) It doesn't change with seniors, right? Nothing to do. If they're not self-motivated, some are. They're athletic. They ride their bikes up until their 70s and 80s, play golf. Others sit around in their 60s as if they just got, uh, you know, terminal illness, and they just, what it was, was retirement. They sat in a corner. Something else. Everybody needs to have a reason for hope. Whether it's future medical improvements, the building of a new house, building of a new garage or a pool, a business that is growing or changing. All of us have to have a measure of hope that something is going to get better. Or something isn't going to be as bad as it was. And if they are involved in something, it could be their sports team, right? Everybody has a little bit of hope, right? Like if you have hope for the Rams, that's, that's a big, it's a big stretch. I think if you have hope for the Rams, boy, you're, you're really reaching out for the, for the future. But I've been a fan since I was, a, I don't know, probably five or 10 years old. All I remember, you have to have hope because what it does is it makes you wake up tomorrow. It makes you stay a little bit healthier. It makes you think twice about, should I walk a little bit longer? Probably should because I need to be around because they're going to need me because I have to make a difference. And everybody needs to have faith. Faith in the afterlife. I think faith in Christ. You can choose your own, right? Faith in heaven or for some reincarnation. It's not my belief, but for some of you, you have to follow the karma thing. You have to have faith. Because eventually, we are, as we are obviously in an unjust world, you have to have faith that certain crimes are going to be solved. You have to have faith that the country is going to get better even though we're in a mess. All right, these are important things. The men that have fled Ukraine, who should be fighting, they don't have faith. They don't have hope. They have nothing except greed self-preservation. I'm not saying those things are always bad. It's nice to be self have self-preservation. My point is you don't belong here. You belong over there. And for you and I, if you have faith and hope and you have the opportunity to make a difference in the world and you do, maybe it's when you pass away, maybe you're going to leave your money to a particular charity. So maybe that means you're going to live as long as you can. You're going to try not to spend all the money. Why? So that Prager University can survive. So that Turning Point USA can survive. Right? That's part of your donation, your giving. Some would say your contribution to society. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. 888-997-888-99 retire. 997-3847. 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Halloway. Thanks for being a part of the show. 
reach out at any time. Thanks for listening to the Total Financial Hour on your place for news, talk, and information. AM 870, The Answer. Make your money work for you.